Well, good morning, everybody. Hallelujah. What a great privilege to be here. Jesus is good. Amen. Praise God. Man, I tell you what, uh, just to have the privilege, Andrew, again, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, having me being part of what God is doing uh, through your ministry and the Bible College. You know, Kathy and I both believe that this is uh, a big part of what God has called me to do in, uh, in my life. Hallelujah. And I just love doing this. Man, I tell you what, they are. Okay. Um, just want to talk a little bit quickly just before we start, um, just about some of our products, the books at the back there. Um, I have a book that I highly recommend to anybody. Uh, many of the students have, have read it, Knowing and Experiencing God. This was a book I, re- I wrote. I, I, I tell people I, I took five years to write it, not because I write that slow, <clears throat> but because uh, I took my time to put it together in a way that will help people not just to know about God, but to experience Him. Amen. So is there anybody that wants to just hand this out? I'm going to put it over here. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. And then there's another one at the back there, Grace and Faith Thoughts. Kathy and myself, my wife and I put this together. And then this is my latest book, uh, Discover True Love, also a book I would highly recommend for anybody uh, who's kind of struggling with with understanding God's grace and love, and, and it would really help you. Thanks very much there, Lawson. Hallelujah. Well, have you got your Bibles with you? Hallelujah. You don't have your Bibles with you? You have your iPad with you? Your iPad mini? Hallelujah. Turn with me quickly in your Bibles. I want to start off here this morning uh, in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 6. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 6 out of the Amplified Version. Um, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the wisest men that ever lived wrote this, and, uh, you know, this has been something that, that was a revelation that came to me many, many years ago when God started to reveal His love and His mercy and His goodness, His grace, the gospel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for Andrew, who's on television and preaching the true gospel. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, listen to what he says here. Amplified says, by mercy and love, truth and fidelity. Now, it says here in brackets, to God and men, not by sacrificial offerings, iniquity is purged out of the heart. Man, that's powerful. And by the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord, men depart from and avoid evil. You know, uh, that's why I appreciate so much of what Andrew is even preaching this week. Now, I'd like to put this in perspective. I think that, that because of religion and the way religion has influenced our thinking, this passage of Scripture has been mis. Uh, understood by a lot of people because the way it's written, if you read it in the King James, it almost sounds like that, you know, by me practicing love towards other people, iniquity is purged out of my heart. But let me put it to you this way. I think that what that is saying is that by mercy, by experiencing, knowing the mercy of God, the truth of God's goodness, And his love for you, 
purges iniquity out of your heart. Oh, hallelujah. And uh, that's really what I'd like to, to talk a little bit about here this morning. And, um, I, you know, one of the things that I've noticed over the years uh, that I've been in ministry, I've been in ministry going on 31 years now. And in all the time that I've been in ministry, being a Christian, my observation has been that most of the struggles that we as believers, as men and women of God, experience and live with on a daily basis, spiritually, emotionally, physically, uh, relationally, have their origins in the inaccurate and erroneous beliefs that we have about the true nature and character of God. And you know, uh, talking to people, I travel all over the world, I minister to people all over the world from different cultures, and I see the same thing over and over and over. And that is that Christians, believers, struggle in their walk with God, struggle to live out and experience what the Bible promises us as believers to be able to live in that victorious life that, that is so clearly spelt out for us in the Scriptures. And most of it has to do with our erroneous beliefs, our wrong concepts of the true nature and character of God. And, you know, uh, I wish I had time to really talk about that. You know, most Christians do not know God for who He really is. They don't have a perception of God for who He really is. Now, just as there is a grossly inaccurate uh, belief in the hearts of many believers, men and women of God, and this is not just believers, but people as a whole, uh, there is also another aspect that I have looked at and found is that that. Equally, there is an erroneous belief and there's a wrong concept in the minds and the hearts of people and of believers especially about not only who God is, but who they are. Amen. Now, you know, I've, I've, I've not heard a lot of people maybe focusing on this, but what we what i find is that so many people because again because of because of sin because of our our hostility in our own minds towards god we have somehow degraded who we as as men are who we as believers are who who are we in this picture you know uh, and and what has happened is that we have devalued uh, and, and we don't understand the dignity and the identity of who God created us to be in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the greatest needs of the human heart is not condemnation, guilt. The greatest need of the human heart is the need to belong, the need to matter. The need to be loved and accepted. Now, I, don't, I think that we will all agree, and, and, and I think we don't always think about it that way because we look at people, we look at the people around us, we look at the believers around us. And let me just say this you know, one of the biggest reasons people live and, and continue in sin, do you know why? 
Because, because they are trying to fulfill the need to belong, the need to be loved. They think that if I can do this, if I do this, I will be accepted, I will be loved, I will, I will belong, I will matter. People's behavior today in this world has a lot to do with the deep down created need. You know, all I have to do, I don't have time to go through all these scriptures, but you know, in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 26 to 28, there is every indication in the scriptures when God created Adam and Eve that he created Adam and Eve to belong, to matter, to be loved, and accepted. It's the way God created mankind. You know, just to, just, just to hold it, why do we, why do we wake up sometimes and think to ourselves, do I really matter? What is life all about? What am I doing here? Well, that's a deep down need of every human being to be able to matter. See, God created Adam and Eve, and he said, I've set you in the garden, over the whole garden, everything I've created. You matter to this whole economy of what I put together. Hallelujah. And so without that, we go in and we get involved in all kinds of stuff. And of course, you know, it doesn't have time to go through it all. But I want to establish just as an introduction here this morning that there's two, there's two things that we have to get clear in order to understand the Scriptures, to understand the New Testament, to understand the Gospel for what it really, really, really means. And that is that, listen, since the very beginning, from day one... In fact, from before day one, God's relationship. Now, listen carefully to the way I'm going to put this. God's relationship with you and me, with man, has always been based upon his everlasting, unconditional, unchanging love for man. Now, get this clear. I'm going to make this. this, It's important. God's relationship towards man has always been based upon his unconditional, unchanging, everlasting love towards mankind. God has never done anything. God has not moved towards man. God has not, uh, you know... Everything was motivated and is motivated by God's unconditional love for mankind. Hallelujah. Amen. You guys are real quiet here this morning. (laughs) Amen. But on the other hand, man's relationship towards God since the fall has from right through the Old Testament, right through the New Testament, and I believe much of until today, man's relationship, the way he relates to God because of the fall, because of Adam's fall, has always seemed to be at best based upon a reverential respect and a fearful regard of God. And that's why it's so easy for people to relate to God as an angry God. A God that is just waiting for you to make a mistake. Just waiting for you to, to, to get, in fact, he's not even waiting for you. He's already decided that you're, that you're going to be squashed like a bug. And it's, and it's like we, we, 
Because again, if you go to Genesis chapter, you know, three and you go and watch what happens. Now just think about this. And I don't have time to go through it. And I want to get through my introduction here. But think about this very quickly here. When, when Adam fell and Adam and Eve sinned, God, the Bible says, God came down. There is every indication in the passage of Scripture that God came down and that, and to walk and talk with Adam and Eve. And God's relationship towards Adam and Eve didn't change one iota. Did you, I mean, do you see that? Now, let me ask you this. Whose perspective changed? Adam went and Adam went and hid himself. And so when God called him and finally he came out, you know, covered in his own coverings. Hallelujah. You know, fig leaves. I think to myself, have you ever, have you ever looked at a fig leaf? Have you ever touched a fig leaf? I mean, it's an abrasive thing. Hallelujah. Amen. And here they come and they, and this is the words that he speaks. And he says, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Fear entered into man's relationship towards God. And from that moment on, now the overwhelming revelation of the gospel, the true gospel of the, and the ministry of Jesus Christ is to uncover and to reveal God's unconditional love for people. Hallelujah. Just give you a couple of, a couple of verses very quickly here. John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. God so loved the world. Come on now. For God so loved the world. Notice it said God was not so mad at the world that he sent Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we need to think about this for a moment. It, it, it doesn't say that God, you know, Jesus comes and uh, comes out of, the, out of the, the, the desert. He's baptized, you know, and then goes into the desert. He comes out, goes into the first place he's going to preach and he goes to Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he ends it off and to preach the, the acceptable year or the, the year or the age of God's acceptance. Jesus comes, he says, now this is my ministry. My ministry is to come to preach to you, not that God is going to kill you, that God, but that God loves you and that this is God's age of acceptance. You know, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, I'm, I, I wasn't going to go here, but let's go there quickly. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse, verse uh, 4. Amplified version says, but God, hallelujah. How many of you like those, those terms? But God, hallelujah. But God, so rich is he in his mercy. So rich is he in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy his great wrath. Oh, oh, sorry. I I slipped back into that old gospel. Because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love wherewith he has loved us. Hallelujah. 
I mean, you know, the, what, what, what Paul is putting here, and, and we're going to have a look at this a little bit uh, as we go along. Now, this is what I want to get to in my introduction here this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> nothing in our lives will make any sense, brothers and sisters. Nothing in your life as a believer, nothing in your life. If you're here today and you're not a believer and you're coming to check this out, let me just say this. The reason nothing makes sense in your life And nothing will make sense in our lives unless we come and in the depths of our hearts, we come to the revelation. Hallelujah. The revelation. You know, the Bible tells us this. For God, hallelujah, to demonstrate his love toward us that while we were yet sinners. J.B.'s further translation says, the proof of God's love for people is this, that while you were still a sinner, while you could not help yourself, Jesus died for you on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The proof of God's love. Hallelujah. Unless you and I can come and be fully persuaded in our hearts, in our belief system, and be fully persuaded to the point that nothing around us can change our thinking, that God unconditionally, extravagantly loves you without caution, without regret, without boundaries, without limits. See, I tell you what, people say, well, I know God loves me, but there's no but. There's no regret. God doesn't say, well, I love you, but I really regret that I said that. He loves you without limit. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You know, Paul comes in Romans chapter 8 and Paul says in verses uh, 38 and 39, he says this. He says, I am persuaded. I am persuaded. That word persuade there is a really interesting word. That means that there must have been a time when Paul was not persuaded. I am persuaded. What of this? I am persuaded that, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. See, brothers and sisters, what we've got to understand is this, is that, 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 that the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ means this, that no matter what has happened in your past, no matter what's happening right now in your life, and no matter what might still happen in the future, God cannot, God will not, and He refuses to stop loving you. Hallelujah. You know, uh, and, and people, people say, but how does it work, Arthur? You see, you have to understand, and this is what we have to understand here this morning. Jesus gives us a clue. Turn with me in your Bibles there to John chapter 17. We're going to go there just very briefly, and I'm going to read through these very quickly. John chapter 17, verses 22. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer, and he's praying for his disciples, and then he comes to a place where he says, now, not, Lord, I, oh, Father, I'm not just praying for these, these my disciples alone, but now I'm praying for everyone who will come to, to believe in me through their word. Now, is there anybody here who's believed on Jesus? One, two. Uh, so, hallelujah. It's a, man, I tell you what, we're going to do an altar call here today, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Amen. You know, notice what he says. He, uh, he comes and he says, I now pray for those who will believe through their word. That's you and me. God, Jesus is praying here for you. And this is what he prays. He says, Father, and, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Oh boy, I don't know if you even get this. The word glory is the word doxa. The word doxa, Thayer says, uh, you know, what we've done is we've called it, and I like what, what uh, Daniel was preaching the other day about the glory cloud and so on, and we've made it all. No, the word glory is doxa, which literally means this. Thayer says, which is the view, the opinion, and estimate of God. <laughs> the view, the opinion, or the estimate. See, God's got a view and opinion, and only his view and opinion is reality. Now, you might have a view and opinion, but it ain't reality. (laughs) Hallelujah. God's view and opinion, his estimate, his judgment, not his his sword to kill you, his judgment, his decision making. Hallelujah. About you. Jesus says the same view and opinion and estimate that God the Father has of him. He says, I have now given them. Come on now. Hallelujah. Then he says, verse 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know, hallelujah, that thou hast sent me and hast loved them. Who's who's the them? You and me. That thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's love for you this morning is the exact same love that he has loved Jesus with from before the foundations of the world. Listen to what he says, verse 24. Father, I will that they also who thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me from before the foundation of the world. Do you understand that God's love for you and for me, hallelujah, for mankind, as it were, has, is not based upon your performance, is not based upon anything else other than this, that he has forever loved Jesus with an with uncompromising, unconditional love. And Jesus says the same love that God has had for me, he has for you. And he has loved you from the foundation of the world. Mm. Hallelujah. Could I have somebody just come up here? I have a couple of things at the back there, just behind the curtain, they said, that, uh, well, I don't know if you're going to be able to do it. But if you could just bring, it's, it's, a, it's just some, I think, music stands and stuff like that here. Yeah, that, that, just bring them and just put them over the ed, on the edge there. Hallelujah. All right, just, just put them up right there. Thanks. Just next to each other. That's good. Okay, so the same love that God has for us from all eternity. What does this mean? It means God's love for man, for you and me, has never changed, can never change. Amen. Thanks. Can never change. God's love for people will never change. And the the thing that changes is our discovery of that love. When we discover when we find out, 
When we, we receive the knowledge of and we get the revelation of God's love, that's what changes. But God's love never changed. Hallelujah. Didn't he say I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever? Hallelujah. Okay, so what am I trying to say about this? I have enough time here. In order for us then to correctly interpret the scriptures, the New Testament, We need to take in consideration every time we read it and study it, every time we listen to somebody preaching, every time you spend time with God, you need to take into consideration God's intentions, plans, and purposes of his love towards you from before the foundation of the world. You know, people ask me all the time, say, Arthur, why, why are you so strong? Why do you always preach on the love of God? No matter what I, no matter what I teach, I'm always, I'm always talking about the love of God. Because the love of God is the key that unlocks everything. Amen. Amen. One of the big reasons that we have people who don't understand and misuse, abuse scripture and, and take it out of context is because they do not take into consideration when they study the scriptures. When, you know, and this is one of the things that I do uh, when I teach at the school. I do a, a, a class called uh, uh, The Heart of the Gospel. And I try to help people to say there is, there is a very core message of the gospel, unless you keep that in mind, you are going to misinterpret God, you're going to misinterpret the scriptures, you're going to misinterpret the New Testament and the gospel. You see, Paul, uh, in his writings to the church at Ephesus, now turn with me in your Bibles here to to Ephesians chapter 1. Are you guys okay? You breathing all right? Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verse 1. Paul's writing here to the, book, uh, to, to the church at Ephesus gives us a powerful insight into the eternal intentions, plans, and purposes of God to satisfy his intense love and to establish us in his glory. Now notice what he says here. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, the first thing that we need to realize here is that Paul is writing to whom? He's writing to the church. He's writing to the believers. He's writing to the saints, right? So his letter is addressed to believers. Say that with me, believers. His his letter is addressed to believers. But one of the things that we have to also realize is that even though this letter is addressed to believers, Paul is also at the same time expounding on God's intentions, plans, and purposes of his love toward mankind, toward you and me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So notice what he says. He says, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, Paul here in that passage of Scripture uh, is, is a man that, that he is expressing one of the, the uh, uh, dominant thoughts in the book of Ephesians. And one of the dominant thoughts of the book of Ephesians is God's love. We just read Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. You know, uh, chapter 3 talks about, he says, I, I pray that, that you will come and that you will be established in your inner man. Hallelujah. Upon the love of God. That you may know the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of the love of God. And so he's expressing this uh, in this passage of Scripture. Now, that's why um, I think it is Tyndale. I, I stand corrected. But I think it's Tyndale in his, in his um, commentary of these passages of Scripture here. He says that, that Paul is here writing. And he's writing using the word in Greek. He's using terms and his phrases in such a way that it comes across as a man who is absolutely taken with excitement, with passion. See, we, we read that scripture, you know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. It depends on where you come from. You know, the, the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can read it like that. But what Tyndale says, is, uh, he says, when you read these passages, this passage of Scripture, the way it is written. Now, I stand, again, I stand corrected, but I think it's from chapter 1, verse 3 to chapter 2, verse 10. is all one sentence in the Greek. Are you with me here? And he says, the reason he's doing this is that Paul is somebody who's coming. And he's not just saying, well, blessed be the God of Father. He's coming and saying, with words written on paper, he's trying to take you by the shoulders and shake you. And say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul is excited and he's passionate because he has seen a revelation. Hallelujah. He's seen something in this passage of Scripture or in, 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 the, in the finished work of Jesus that is so exciting that he just can't contain himself. And he's writing to these people and saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, uh, the, the, the problem is, is that the reason he's so excited is this is that there is no truth that can heal, that can touch and restore a human being faster, quicker, if you want to put it that way, and more completely than understanding God's intentions, plans, and purposes of his love and grace towards you from before the foundation of the world. Nothing. There's nothing that can, that can heal you. There's nothing that can restore you. There's nothing that can bring a, a restoration in your thinking, 
You know, the traditional way that we've used this, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. I use it that way. I preach it that way. Andrew's got a great teaching. He uses this passage of Scripture. You already got it. And we talk about the fact, you know, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing you know, and every blessing you need. And we talk about, you know, the blessings we want in this life and, and, and you know, being prosperous and, and healing and all of that. And that's all true. It's all exactly right. But Paul is not talking about those things here. Paul tells us when he goes here, go with me there to verse 4. Notice he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all, the correct way is all heavenly blessings. And then he says, according as. So notice here, according as. Can somebody bring me a, uh, just some water? Right in the corner, right at the end there is mine. I had it already. Thanks, brother. You can bring that too if you want. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> he says, according to or according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Man, that's a mouthful. Hallelujah. Listen, God's eternal intention, plans, and purposes of his love toward you, toward you, to each one of us, has always been for you to find your origin and your identity revealed in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. That's been God's intention, plan, and purpose all the time. See, one of the common mistakes we make is because most of our theology, most of what we understand about the Bible, uh, is um, based upon... Uh, much of it, and there's nothing wrong with this. Please understand that, that I'm not saying that there's something wrong with this. But most of what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, is based upon, here's another one here, is based upon our systematic theology. Now, what I mean by systematic theology is this. We start, when you become a Christian, you, you, when, you, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, you go to church, and, and most of the time, our understanding starts with in the beginning. Say it with me, in the beginning. In the beginning. We start with Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. Are you with me here? In the beginning, God created. So our, our theology, our doctrines, our concepts about our redemption, our salvation, our healing, everything starts between the parameters of in the beginning, God created. Then Adam fell. I'm going to see if I can maybe get this up here. Adam fell, the sin of man. Then, you know, for lack of all other, I can't put all, we have the, you know, the, the prophets, the, the, the law, the Old Testament, and then comes Jesus and the cross of Jesus Christ. Are you guys with me here? And over here, we have now the New Testament. And so what we do is that we uh, value and evaluate 
everything that we believe within the parameters of this concept. And Barry put things beautifully about past and present and the future and all of that. But what I'd like to do this morning, turn with me in your Bibles there to uh, uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 15. Hallelujah. Now what we do, the mistake we make is that, uh, that we limit the gospel. Because what we do is that we talk about the gospel... And we preach the gospel exclusively about the cross and Jesus dying on that cross to die for our sins. And what we do is that we preach it in a way in which we say what Jesus came to do here was to fix what Adam broke over here. And most of our gospel has been preached, and all we've done, and, and, and please understand, I'm not, I'm not minimizing this at all. Amen. This is huge. But I want to show you this morning that, it, that what Christ did is way bigger. Hallelujah. So what we do is we preach the gospel, and all we do is all the time as we preach, and many times we'll preach about, you know, and, and this is what happens, we preach a gospel, you know, you're going to go to hell, and if you want to avoid hell, you need to accept Jesus Christ. Now, those are all true, and that's fine. If you want to go to heaven, you know, you need to accept Jesus Christ. That's all good, but the problem is we are now just limiting what the gospel really is because we're trying to preach this as an antidote just for this, and it is. Please understand, it is. I'm not saying it isn't. But listen to what Paul says here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 15, amplified version. He says, but God's free gift. What would be God's free gift? Righteousness. What, what, Jesus is, is his free gift. Grace is his free gift. So let me just put it this way. God's free gift of Christ and what he has done for us on the cross is not at all to be compared with the trespass. <laughs> you mean, I, I can see some of you guys are looking at me like a cow looks at a new gate. But listen to what it says. Even, even J.B. Phillips' translation says it this way. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Brothers and sisters, we've got to understand, I'll tell you something, and if you can see this, what he's saying is this. He says, we, this that Christ did here is not to be compared with what Adam did over here. Hallelujah. What I mean by compared, that means, it, listen to what the Amplified says. His grace is out of proportion to the fall of man. God's grace in the finished work of Jesus is out of proportion to the fall of man. Listen to what it says now. He says, for if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. For, no, no, notice verse 16. Nor is the free gift at all to be compared to the effect of that one man's sin. Oh, hallelujah. 
Man, I tell you, if you, if you, can't, if you, don't, if you can't get excited about this, you, what, how does Andrew say? Your wood's wet. Or you, or, hallelujah. What's he saying? Listen, did Adam's sin have an effect? Absolutely. But he's saying if you understand the free gift of God's grace in Christ and the finished work of Christ, then you will never compare what Christ did just with what Adam broke. Are you here with me? Hallelujah. Now watch. Now you see what's important here. It's so important. Paul highlights in in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. He now highlights. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with all of spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Hallelujah. According as he has chosen us before the foundation of the world. Our theology of God, of the Bible, and of you and me mustn't just be between the parameters of in the beginning and one day there'll be an end. It needs to start over here. Listen to what he says here. He says, according as he has chosen us. See, brother and sister, I don't, I don't, I don't care what you, what you call it. You can use semantics. You can use all kinds of nice. If, if, if all that Jesus ever did was just to die for your sin and fix what Adam broke and bring us back to where Adam was, then this over here can at best only be God's plan B. Because plan A failed. Now, I know that people say, oh, no, 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 it's not. not." Well, why is it not? I'll show you why. Listen carefully. He says, hallelujah, I love this. Man, until you get this, it it will light your fire. That's for sure. He says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, you know, the, the term there, the world, is not... It's not this planet earth. It's the word cosmos. Before God created anything. Before God created the light. The world. The stars. The moon. The galaxies. He. Hallelujah. Chose you. So, what, what, what's Paul saying? Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, we need to understand. And this is what's, why he's so excited. He's saying, if you'll understand this, you'll understand that before God created anything, before God created the world, the cosmos, you were on his mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man. I tell you what, you were on his mind. Listen to what the, the message Bible puts it this way. Long before he laid down earth's foundations. Now earth's foundations, that's not what it is. It is the foundations of the cosmos. Long before he laid it down, he had us in mind. He had us in mind this morning. When? Before he created anything. And then he said, he settled on us as the focus of his love. 
Oh, before the foundation of the world, before God created, before anything that was made was made, he had a plan. He had an intention. And you were that plan. Hallelujah. You were that plan. You were that intention. And he said, and he purposed in his heart. And he settled this. Settle means he made this. This is it. I settled this. I settle this that you will be the focus of my love. Now, let me just tell you something about God. When God settles something to be a certain way, that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, settled on us as the focus of his love and to be made whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole and holy by his love. God, before he created, he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He had the world. He had man in mind. See, oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Because listen, God, now you understand that here, over here, God has always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, I love what Andrew's saying. Each and every one of us here, have an intuitive knowledge that God and his, that of God and his Godhead. You know what, that, what this means? Here, God has always been a God of love because he's always had relationship. He's always been a God of relationship. Amen? And over here, he has always... See, God did not create you because he had a need. Because he had no need in the Godhead. He had no need for love because there was enough love. Hallelujah. To go around. In fact, there was so much love that he said, no. And he had you on his mind. And you inspired creation. I know that some of you like... I can see some of you guys are looking, oh, Arthur. Well, listen. He had you in mind, and he had settled that, he would, that you would be the focus of his love, and that you would be made whole and holy by his love. Listen, that's why you cannot be whole without understanding and being convinced and persuaded of God's love for you. No matter what. And when he had you in mind, he said, now... Whoa, I'm so, I am so inspired. He said, light be and light was. And God created. Has any of you ever listened to what's his name? Uh, uh, Giglio. Uh, when he talks about the creation. Oh man, when you listen to that. Just think about that. That creation, as big as it is, as powerful, as wonderful, as majestic as it is. That is there because God thought of you. He thought of you. Now notice, and he created the universe. That means that God says, when you look at the the cosmos, then he says, you can determine your value. Hallelujah. All right. I've got to, what does this mean? This means, brother and sister, you are here because... God was inspired by the fact of what he knew that he could and would do when he created you. 
Amen. Now go, to, go with me there to, to, to verse 5. This is what he, Paul goes on. Verse 5 says, having predestined. See, not only did God over here have a plan or an intention and plan, he had an eternal purpose. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, they had a plan. They said, let us make man. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said, what for? Well, verse 5 tells us, he has predestined us unto the adoption of sons. Oh, he had a, he had a, Intention and plan to create man. But then he says, but I purpose my intent. That word, you know, predestined, people get so messed up with that word. Predestined, it says just to be planned ahead of time. I plan ahead of time. He says that this man that I'm going to create, which I've created the whole of the, of the cosmos for, I'm going to adopt him into my family. Now, read it with me. There it is. It's in Scripture. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children or of sons. Hallelujah. God's intention, plan, and purpose right from the beginning before he created was to create man. But then to adopt that man into his family. Let me read this to you again out of the Message Bible. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. Ooh, hallelujah. Through Jesus Christ. I want, to, I want you to listen carefully to what I'm going to say here. And please understand that I'm not minimizing the sin of Adam at all. It was, it was destroying mankind. But you got to understand. If you understand God's original, eternal intentions, plans, and purposes from before the foundation of the world for you and me then you realize that Jesus here did not just come to just die for your sin and bring you back to what Adam lost. He came for the purpose of adopting you into his family. In order to do so, he had to take care of sin once and once for all eternity. Now, when you look at it over here, then you realize God's intention, plan, and purpose was always to adopt man and bring man into the family of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Man, people want to, well, I just want to go to heaven. That's more than just going to heaven, brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has adopted you as sons into his family through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus became a human being. Do you realize that Jesus has never let that body go? That right now at the right hand of God, there is a man seated at the right hand of God. And you're a man. You're a man. He's a man. The angels look at him and look at you. They shake their head. What is this? What? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's, like, it's way more than going to sit in heaven and bask in God's glory. It is being family of God himself brought in. Not from, listen, not from an alien species. 
Hallelujah. You were always God's creation. And what happens here, you see, when we look over here, you'll see that now God says, I don't care what happens from here to there. Because the scripture says, now I want to go there. I'm running out of time very quickly. Hallelujah. Amen. Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 and verse uh, 4 says, but when the fullness of time was come. Brother and sister, you see, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, was the fullness of time the appointed time of the Father. For what? For the adoption. Now, when you're over here, he says, my plan is to create man, and no matter what happens here, the fall didn't take God by surprise. Hallelujah. Because he knew that his purpose and his, or his plan and his purpose it will trump anything that can happen here. Because this second Adam, or the Bible calls him the last Adam, hallelujah, he comes and he is a quickening spirit, hallelujah. Are you guys with me here? And what, what happened? He comes over here, Jesus, see he looks at that and he says, in all, my plan for Jesus' coming in the fullness of time was always going to happen. Hallelujah. And no matter what happens over there, he over here, that's why it says, he says he has uh, uh, adopted us as children into his family. And then he says, by Jesus Christ. There's only one way, brother. There's only one. There's not a lot of ways. There's only one way. Jesus is the only way. And you know what? Listen. See, God over here realized the new that he can't leave this up to you. He can't leave this up to you. He said, I'm going to leave this up to my son, Jesus Christ. He's the, he's the adoption agent. Hallelujah. And I know he can get the job done. Hallelujah. I know that he's not, he might cry out and say, let this cup pass from me. But neither, not my will, but thy will be done. And he goes to the cross and he fulfills. And this is what Paul is so excited about this morning. Paul is saying, blessed be the God of Father who has blessed us. Oh, oh, listen, listen. This is what he's saying. This is not going to happen. This is not in the process of happening. This has happened. Barry, Barry's past things. This has happened. What do I now do over here? What do I do when I come to this cross? You know, Romans chapter 5 and verse 18 says, he says, everyone who will receive this free gift. Listen carefully. Everyone who will receive this grace gift and righteousness shall reign as kings in this life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, if if you're here, if you're here this morning, and you know what, I, there, there are even some Christians, there are some believers here today. You, what you've done is you've, 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 you've received Christ, yes. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you said, Jesus, come and be my Lord. And you've accepted him, but you've accepted him for a narrow reality. Which is wonderful. But I want to show you that this is huge. This is huge. God doesn't just want you to be in heaven so you can run around. He sees you as a son and a daughter 
who has an equal relationship with him as Jesus has. That's why Jesus says in his high priestly prayer, and I'll quit. He says, I want them to see my glory, that they may be one with me as I, Father, am one with you, that we might be one together. Now, let me ask you this. Did Jesus ever pray a prayer that wasn't answered? Then that prayer is answered. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Today, when you, when you will receive this reality, it will boot out sickness, disease, poverty. Hallelujah. It will boot out any deception that you have. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, that you have blessed this time. Thank you that your spirit is the one who leads us into all truth. Thank you, Lord. That you send the spirit of your son into our hearts, crying, Abba, 